This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. It is Wednesday, December 29th, alongside Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton, and Jason, I understand... You've been on the Madden Cruiser. I, I have. Uh, yeah, obviously the the sad news yesterday that John Madden passed away and obviously the last, you know, 18 hours or so, everybody's been putting in, you know, their thoughts on just what a legend he is. And especially coming off Christmas Day where you had that uh, that 90-minute all-Madden documentary, which is fantastic. But yeah, I had actually forgotten till I was watching that documentary and they went through the Madden Cruiser and I saw the one that was sponsored by Outback because Outback used to sponsor the Madden Cruiser. And all of a sudden it hit me like, oh my gosh, I've been on that thing. Long time ago, I'm talking like maybe right around the like 2000. It was during the summertime. I was working at 1320K Fan up in Salt Lake, and it was like on a promotional tour. I'm assuming because of Outback, and for whatever reason, our station had the tie-in, and so like a couple of listeners got to go. I don't know why I was selected as one of the guys <laughs> that got to represent the station. Was the food good? They picked us up at the station and then drove us up to Outback. Now Madden was not on it. Uh, but his driver was. I can't remember his first name. I think his last name's Yarborough. But like the driver you saw in the documentary and the guy that's driven it for decades, he was the driver. So we got to talk with him and ride on the Madden Cruiser up to the Outback. It was cool. You are the most interesting person I've ever met. <laughs> no. The most random, no. amazing stories. Like that, that's incredible. It was cool. Okay, so you've been on a tour bus all around the country of your own. I mean, you rented an RV. You've right, done yes. that before. Yeah. And you've been on an actual tour bus, I've, the Madden Cruiser. The Madden Cruiser, the actual, not like one, like part of the fleet that they, they you know, put out, that not, but it's not the one that John takes. No, this was the one John Madden takes cross country. So when I think of John Madden, obviously I think of him as a broadcaster. And we discussed this this morning. Most of the younger generation just thinks of, oh yeah, the guy that uh, his guy. name is on the, on the video game. And my first experience with the John Madden video game was 1993. And uh, I'll never forget the first tackling sound I heard, which is, there's one sound. And then the audibles are always my favorite. Blue, blue, red. Like the quarterbacks, he just changes into an entirely different person when you audible at the line. But it was game changing. It was like next level video game entertainment. 1993. I think you were 10 then, right? Uh, sure, let's go Something with that. Something like that? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, you, it's going to depend on your age, on on probably what you think of John Madden for. Like, like old-timers are going to think of him as a coach. I don't think of him as a coach. I know he was the coach of the yeah. Raiders. I know he won a Super Bowl, but that's not what I think of. For me, I'm like you. It's the broadcaster. I don't immediately oh, think of the video game. No, absolutely. For me, he is the broadcaster. He is the legendary broadcaster. And just an unbelievable. I was so... In hindsight, too, I'm glad they did the documentary because obviously this was a, it seems like it was a surprise to everybody that he passed away. But I was so glad that I, able, I was able to watch the documentary before he passed because I, then I almost appreciated it more. It, it was fantastic. If anybody has not seen that, I know they're going to probably be doing some replays. I highly recommend it. It's 90 minutes, and, uh, and it will be 90 minutes well spent. So good. He and Pat Summerall always on the biggest of NFL yep. games. I, whatever reason, I just remember them on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thanksgiving Day was John Madden, Pat Summerall. Great stuff. They spent a lot of time on the turducken, uh, the turkey <laughs> duck chicken. 
Uh, <laughs> we need Frank Caliendo in here to do his turducken impression of John Madden. Yeah. Oh, fantastic Sounds stuff. Good right now. I need to probably stop talking about food. I'm hungry. As always, we're brought to you by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And here is your show lineup. Tyler Algier and his legacy are now official at BYU. He is leading for the NFL. What's the best thing that Tyler Algier did while he was at BYU? We'll discuss. Plus, on Basketball Game Day, we're joined by the college basketball stats guru, Ken Pomeroy. What does BYU do best, even without their starting two centers? Deep Blue features a former BYU basketball player, Craig Cusick, and his heroic shot back in 2013. What inspired that and what keeps him going today? Plus our double down picks. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Well, you mentioned his name, Tyler Algier, announcing on social media that he is declaring for the upcoming NFL draft. Algier's 2021 season is certainly one for the ages. The former walk-on broke the BYU single-season rushing record with 1,606 yards, and he led the nation with 23 touchdowns. You cannot say enough of what he meant for this BYU football team. BYU men's basketball takes on Westminster. They host them at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. You can watch live on BYU TV. Of course, listen on BYU Radio. The Cougars 3-0 against the Griffins all-time. Joe Lunardi has BYU as a nine seed in his latest seed projection. So BYU still there, hovering around 8-9. We've seen them slip from all the way up as high as a number like five. After a few losses, now down at a nine seed, but still firmly in the tournament. That's what you like to see. Staying with basketball, BYU freshman Fusini Traore had himself quite a week. Fus got his first start, his first career double-double, and he was named to the Diamond Head Classic All-Tournament team, and it got better. Fus was rewarded for his play by earning both the West Coast Conference player and freshman of the week. Congratulations mm. to him. His head coach, Mark Pope, says Foose's play is exceeding expectations for a freshman. His poise on the court is really special and his, you know, not just his size and athleticism, but his timing and his hands are special. And this is all a freshman big who is quite honestly not supposed to be playing right now. And, um, but he is, he is, uh, not only taking advantage of this opportunity for himself, but he's going a long way towards saving us in the sense of, of, of making reparations for, for losing Rich and, and Gavin. Yeah. So he's been, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. Well, and, and that's a situation like, like Coach talked about. This was not the role he was intended to have this year. He or Atiki, Ali Atiki, they were not supposed to probably be playing this many minutes, but they're there, and a guy like Foose is looking more and more comfortable game after game. Yeah, how about his emergence and really being forced into the limelight by necessity, yep. but handling it like a champ? BYU women's basketball has been postponed this Thursday. Their game against San Diego will apparently be made up at a later date to be determined because of COVID issues within the San Diego program. Again, the two schools working with the West Coast Conference to reschedule that. So now BYU will play Portland in their conference opener Saturday, 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain in the Marriott Center. You can watch that game live on BYU TV. Oh, and the Cougars will enter that game and conference play as the number 18 team in the country. That was revealed in the newest AP poll. And why are they so good? It's because they have really, really good players. And one of them is BYU forward Lauren Gustin. She was named the West Coast Conference Player of the Week against Montana. Gustin finished 
finished with 15 points and 18 rebounds. It marked her fifth double-double of the season and third game with 16-plus rebounds. Gustin is currently second in the nation in rebounds per game. Holy cow. And I ran into her at Target. Team full of stars, Jason. A team full of stars. There's no question about it. BYU women's volleyball, also a team full of stars. They signed Kelsey Newts and a libero who played for St. Mary's. She's a 2021 All-West Coast Conference honorable mention. Now coming to Provo, she ended this season with almost 300 digs, averaging over three digs per set. That was top five in the West Coast Conference. So BYU women's volleyball just gets that much stronger. And back to some football news. FB Schedules reported that BYU and Virginia have mutually agreed to cancel the remaining football games the two programs were scheduled to play. Now, the Cougars were set to play in Charlottesville in 2023 with the Cavs coming back to Provo in 2025. As we remember this past season, the Cougars beat Virginia at Lavelle Edwards Stadium 66 to 49. Let it begin. We're going to hear a lot about future games being canceled for BYU, obviously because yep. of BYU's transition into the Big 12. Well, and according to that report from FB Schedules, this was something that that has actually been done for a little bit. Yeah. And so now it's just coming out. But yeah, I think, like you said, we're going to start hearing more and more of these because BYU is just going to have to open up some dates. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968 with a tear in Jason's eye. Okay, tears in all of our eyes. We say so long, Tyler. Tyler Algier has declared officially that he will enter his name for the 2022 NFL Draft, thus ending his prestigious and remarkable BYU football career. His running backs coach, Harvey Unga, at Unga45 on Twitter, added this. To the best running back in BYU history, from the moment you came onto the scene till your last day in Provo doing charity work, I've been beyond blessed to have coached and mentored you. Can't thank you enough for the fun memories and great times. Love you, Ty. With that said, Jason, I ask you this question, and it is tough to answer because right. he's done so many great things. What was the most impressive thing Tyler Algier accomplished in his BYU football career? Look, and let's also put this into perspective. It was not a very long career. Like he's Everything he's done, and he's done a lot, he's done in a very short period of time here at BYU, and that makes it even more impressive. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say if you're going to talk about one thing that you will always remember from Tyler Algier, it's going to be the punch. It's going to be the play against Arizona State where he, you know, we, we've all seen it. You, you, from this point on, moving forward, anytime there is a BYU football highlight reel of the best plays in BYU football history, that play right there punching the ball out of the hands of the Sun Devil player to save that play will be in this highlight reel forever. It's, it's a it's, superhero play. It's like, it's like Taysom's leap against Texas. That will be the, the highlight that you immediately think of when you think of Tyler Algier. So in terms of a play, it's that. I, I think maybe opening it up a little bit and, and, and going a little more broad, I, I think what I remember most about him is his path to get here because he was a walk-on, came in as a running back, but then moved to linebacker, then flipped back and forth again. And so... 
he was a kind of a guy without a position for a little bit and was going back and forth. He, he was a good linebacker. He was a good running back, but going back and forth. But then he comes back in and they he solidifies himself as a running back and then has, you know, in back-to-back seasons, just phenomenal years. And, the, and even better was those that didn't want to give him credit for last year's success because of the schedule that BYU played. And then he comes out and blows that those numbers right out of the water against a, a far superior schedule. And it's like, well, now you can't take anything away from it. Amen. That's what I love about it. Tyler Algier's punch play that you just brought up and documented so beautifully, Jason. If NFL teams were like, okay, we have 30 seconds to review each of the NFL candidates that we could potentially draft. That's the one play I would submit. <laughs> you you want to draft somebody? You, oh, you need a running back? Watch this play. It has nothing to do with running the ball, right? right? It's just all heart and effort and for the team. And that is what Tyler Algier has always been about. I remember very well in Massachusetts when there were not very many Massachusetts football fans, but 5,000 BYU fans in 2019 late in that season, a young man named Tyler Algier who had been pushed back to running back, catching a pitch early in the game and then – turning on the Jets down the sideline and scoring a touchdown. And all of us were like, whoa, that dude's fast. Like, where where has he been all year? Oh, he's been a linebacker? But now because BYU is so injured at running back, they needed a running back. He was told, Jason, that he was not good enough at running back. And that's why they needed him to switch positions. How would would you feel about that? But you know what? He took it in stride. He's like, okay, I'll play linebacker, whatever. Great physicality. Sure. But then... He looks like a linebacker. But then... With so many injuries, BYU and their staff pushed him back to running back, and then he does that, and then he has kind of a breakout performance on the Hawaii Bowl as yeah. well, and we're all thinking, who is this kid? Who is this guy? Why, why is BYU not running who him is more? Tyler Algeyer? <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell it again? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, so then we'd start to research on a little bit. Oh, walk-on, okay. Played at Kaiser High School. He's one of those Fontana boys. Well, Fontana's got a nice uh, pedigree of running backs in BYU football history and football players, for that matter, Sione Takitaki and Jamal Williams, and now Tyler Algier. Then he finally gets the nod as the guy. And I remember leading up through the COVID offseason, everybody at camp saying, wait until you see Tyler Algier. That dude is legit. He's gone next level. He's taken the next step. And he was awesome against a meh schedule, right? Right. And taking nothing away from what 2020 did against teams like Houston and UTSA was way better than we thought they were and Boise State. But Tyler Algier solidified his legacy against arguably the toughest schedule in BYU football history. In terms of the most power fives in a regular season, seven, BYU goes six and one. And frankly, he just about carried the entire BYU football team to an 11th win, although they fell short in the bowl game. But it wasn't his fault. Yeah. He did anything and everything he possibly could. An incredible stamp, exclamation point on his career. Even though it wasn't a team win, he was incredible. He sets the single-season rushing record. And to me, Jason, that is, the, that is the best thing that Tyler Algier has accomplished. He passed Luke Staley's single-season rushing record against seven Power right. 5 teams. That is unbelievable. How, I mean, did anybody expect Tyler Algier 
to do that no. against this schedule. No, and that's what makes it even more remarkable. And I want to go back to something that you brought up. You talked about, you know, if you want to send something to, to NFL scouts, you're going to send them one play, you're going to send the punch play. Beyond just that, and I, I think you're right, because it, it, that speaks to a lot more about Tyler Algier than just his ability to be a running back. But I, I think one of the things that I, I, I don't know, and it certainly will become more and more evident the more people watch him, at his size, you expect him to be able to take – you know, the, the, get the hard yards and take a, take a hit because sure. of, of his physique. What you don't expect is what you talked about, is that breakaway speed. That's, that is what makes him unique. It's to be his size, to be able to be the physical runner, whether it's up the middle, whether it's around the outside, whatever it is. But it's his, his breakaway speed yeah. that I think sets him apart. Our question of the day, what was the most impressive thing Tyler Algier accomplished at BYU. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at 3MM Mickey. From walk-on to BYU's best running back, he will leave a great legacy at BYU. He has the greatest of all time play of the season. <laughs> yes, the chase down. He will be remem- remembered for that play alone. Best of luck in his future because his greatness will follow him to the National Football League. Hashtag BYUSN. BYU is about to have three running backs in the NFL at the same time. Jamal Williams, Tyson Williams, and Tyler Algier. How about that? I like it. And two quarterbacks for that matter. Let's keep it going. All right, coming up, what is the ceiling for Fusene Traore? Maybe Ken Pomeroy and his awesome statistical analysis can paint the picture for us and answer that question. Better yet, what does BYU do best as a team? The college basketball stats guru joins us next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for complete coverage of BYU Hoops. Hosting Westminster begins at 8.30 Eastern with Jerem Jordan and Tyler Hawes on Countdown to Tip-Off. And Dave McCann, Kristen Kozlowski, and Spencer Linton will have the call of the game all right here on BYU TV and the app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Again, I'm Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Jason Shepard. And joining us now over Zoom is the college basketball stats guru, Ken Pomeroy. His index factors heavily into the NCAA tournament selection process. We're always glad to have him. Ken, welcome back to the program. A belated Merry Christmas and an early Happy New Year to you. Likewise, fellas. Yeah, great to be on. Thanks for having me on again. College basketball season is in full swing. Uh, but before we get to the hard court and basketball, you're a man of many talents. We understand uh, as a former meteorologist, you can help us figure out some things like what in the world a snow squall is because a snow squall hit Utah. And I think everyone on social media was just trying to figure out how to define a squall. Wait, wait a minute. You, what's a snow squall? Can you help us define what a squall, a snow squall is? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just a, a quick burst of, of heavy snow, uh, usually associated with the, a lot of wind. So uh, kind of a unique feature. You know, it's not like one of these deals where it's going to snow for, you know, six or eight hours or something like that. You know, you get one or two hours of heavy snow. So it's a, a brief inconvenience. And uh, and then after that, it's over. So, uh, 
it was pretty cool. It's kind of a new a new type of warning in the in the weather world, but I think it was used pretty appropriate appropriately around here the other day. I I, w- I would uh, I would say so. Uh, let's go from uh, from predicting the weather to predicting uh, some <laughs> basketball. Uh, and right now, Not so be- quick. <laughs> let's so so BYU right now, according to your rankings, coming in at number twenty seven. They've got a record of eleven and three. Wrapping up non conference play tonight against against Westminster. What do the numbers tell you about BYU so far this year? Well, they've been they've been pretty solid. I mean, this is kind of the the trademark of a Mark Pope team, it seems like, is that they're not, you know, they're not one of these lopsided teams that's great on one side of the ball or the other, or, you know, necessarily great in any particular category. They're just kind of a, you know, really solid uh, in a number of different areas. So, you know, the offense right now ranks 27th, the defense ranks 37th. Uh, so, you know, they're not necessarily great on either side of the ball, but they're very good. And then when you're very good in a lot of different things, you end up being a very good team. And I think that's, uh, you know, a, a, a safe, uh, observation about uh, who BYU is right now. Ken Pomeroy is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's discuss specifics and how you think BYU, according to the numbers, can improve based on what trends you're seeing early on. Where, where do you think that they can improve and will improve as the season progresses, Ken? Well, I think the one wild card for them going forward is the, is the three-point shooting. You know, people are obviously aware of Alex Barcelo and and how great he is in that particular area. Um, he's not necessarily a high volume three point shooter, but you know when he puts it up, it goes in a very high percentage of the time. It's just a matter of getting contributions from from other players in that area. Um, you know, that's where they've really struggled this year, and where the offense bogs down against good teams. It's where uh, you know defenses know they can pretty much help off just about anybody besides Barcelo and, and plug up that lane and make it difficult for BYU to to get buckets inside. So. You know, that's the area going forward where uh, I think they can improve like Tijon Lucas. You think, you know, he can, he can do a little bit better than 32%, you know, the front line, obviously Kayla Loner so far two for 21 and he's not necessarily a great three point shooter, but you know, he's, he's got to do better than that. Seneca Knight nine for 33. Like, you know, you think there's some improvement there. So, you know, if one of those front line guys can start shooting the three, just, uh, you know, an average rate, a 30% rate, something like that, that'll be a big help to the offense and kind of, uh, allow for some more space for, you know, the backcourt guys to operate a little bit and, uh, and you know, hopefully improve the offense going forward. Ken, obviously one of the major storylines for this team this year has been the personnel issue down in the post with the five guys, whether it's Harward, um, you know, out with the cardiovascular issues, uh, you know, Gavin Baxter with the season-ending injury, BYU, and Mark Pope said this, like, we're never going to be the team that we thought we were going to be because we just don't have the same personnel uh, that we started the season with. How has BYU's big man situation changed this team, do you think? I don't know that it's had a, a huge, as big of an impact as you might think. I mean, obviously, you know, the depth up front is affected. And so, um, so that's an issue and, and the team has to play smaller. And I know there's been kind of a big deal made about that, but when you look at their defensive stats, you know, they haven't changed appreciably with those two guys out. Um, one of the reasons is, you know, Fus Traore is, uh, even though he's listed at six, six, he's, he's long and uh, he plays like quite a bit bigger. Like he's, turned out to be the, you know, the best rebounder on the team. Um, you know, the best shot blocker, not that these, you know, the Kembe Mutombo out there, but he does, you know, he does block some shots. He does protect the rim a little bit. Um, so, uh, so even though he's listed at six, six, he plays, he plays bigger than that. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, BYU fans are really going to enjoy watching him the rest of the year, watching him develop. 
um, you know, the guy has stepped in and, and, and really been good for them so far. So, um, so obviously the, the frontline loss is hard and you, you know, you'd rather have those guys out there just to have more options, but so far BYU has weathered that storm pretty well. Ken Pomeroy with us on BYU sports nation. It feels like for the last four years running, Ken, I've been hearing, uh, this is the best the West coast conference has ever been seriously running back to 2018. Now we're into 2021, almost 2022. Hearing it again, this is the best the West Coast Conference has ever been. Do your numbers back up that statement that this is truly the best WCC top to bottom we've ever seen? And just maybe there might be four teams from the WCC in the tournament. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Uh, so it depends, first of all, how you want to define you know, how good the, the conference is. It's a little different this year. Uh, you, so you do have the, the typical three at the top, you know, Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's, they're all, you know, kind of where they usually are. Uh, San Francisco has, has appeared to have joined the club and they're ranked 34th in my system right now, you know, finished non-conference at 13 and one don't necessarily have any super high quality wins in there, but they, you know, they've beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, so that would be your fourth team in the tournament. Theoretically. Um, the, the issue is like the bottom of the league is actually worse than it's been in the past. So instead mm. of having a whole bunch of teams in that 100 to 200 range, now we, really don't have any Loyola is the only team ranked between 100 and 200 um, in my ratings right now. Uh, and they've been a little bit disappointing. People thought they might be a tournament team this year. Uh, and then you got, you know, the bottom of the league, like Pepperdine has, has really struggled kind of replacing some losses from last year. Pacific hasn't been very good. Portland's improved, but they're improved from a team, you know, that uh, was the doormat last year and, and, and ditto for San Diego. So, um, so the league overall is probably about where it has been. If you just average all the teams, um, I think for my, you know, a glamour perspective nationally, they're going to look at those tournament teams. And so, um, so having four tournament teams will help. And I, I will say too, like the structure of the league probably also helps in getting four teams because, you know, those bottom teams being worse, I mean, there's less of a chance of a, of an upset during the season that might, you know, damage the tournament prospects running these four teams. So I'm not sure I'm on board with there being four teams. Like I think, you know, maybe San Francisco or, or St. Mary's might, might struggle and, and drop out of that group, but it's certainly possible. I mean, if there's ever going to be a year for four teams from the WCC, this is the year. Let's stay with the conference conversation and push it forward to 2023. I don't believe we've had you on the show since BYU made the announcement that they were going to the Big 12 starting in 2023. And and this obviously, you know, by most is looked at as is the best uh, college basketball conference, you know, in the country. I I'm curious your thoughts of, of this BYU program going and with some other really good basketball programs going into the big 12 and how that looks in 2023. Yeah. You know, it looks pretty promising when, when they made that announcement, I kind of went back and, and ran the numbers on the past uh, five years or so, just looking at, you know, what would have happened if the, the big 12 had, had been composed of, of this new membership where it would have ranked among conferences and it still would have ranked first, you know, it, it had a run there of like six or seven years where it, where it ranked first in my system. Um, the big, 10 took that over the last two years. And then now the big 12 is back on top uh, with its current mem current membership. So um, yeah, even adding the new teams, you know, it, it, uh, it should be, a, it's going to be a very strong conference, you know, uh, just, you just look at the teams this year, you know, obviously Houston, uh, you know, they've just been hurt by, by unfortunate injuries, but uh, up to that point, they were one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, is, is actually, you know, been all right this year. They have, you know, a, a coaching situation, new coach situation, but they've, you know, they've been decent this year. UCF has actually been pretty good. I think they're kind of the team that I thought, eh, you know, they're probably not going to contribute much to the league, but they've actually been pretty solid this year. They're ranked 53rd in my system. Um, so, uh, so it definitely looks promising, uh, for the big 12 going forward, as long as, you know, those kind of, these kind of non-traditional programs that have risen to the top, like Baylor and Texas tech, if they continue to be pretty good, like 
that league's going to be really strong by the time BYU arrives. Ken, I know we've asked you this before, but uh, for some of our newer listeners, we want to discuss your relationship with the NCAA and how you got involved with your metric in helping them determine the NCAA tournament team. So uh, first and foremost, what type of interaction do you have with the selection committee uh, at a time like this leading up through March? Well, it really just consists of them uh, using my data like like anybody else does. You know, they, they go to my website and, uh, and print it out and put, you know, somehow they have some way to put the data into their uh, um, what they call their team sheets or, the, you know, the, the pages that all the committee members get to kind of analyze teams. So, um, so that's really how that works. Uh, you know, my, my interaction with them really started, you know, four or five years ago when they were trying to look to, uh, to replace the RPI, you know, they invited a, a few, uh, of us analytics guys to Indianapolis to, uh, kind of chat with them and, uh, maybe give them some, uh, advice on, on how, how they should move going forward. And, um, you know, ultimately they elected to use the net ratings, which, um, was kind of their own concoction, but as, as it turns out, is very similar to my ratings. Um, so they primarily rely on the net, but they do have these other systems, uh, including mine that, that they use in the room. And, uh, and you know, it's obviously an honor, uh, to, to, to be considered, you know, useful enough to be a part of that process. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Also RPI still exists in several other sports. And frankly, we're tired of it, like with uh, women's basketball <laughs> and women's volleyball and some other things. So if you want to make a Ken Pomeroy index to help push that out, we're supporting that as well. Yeah, you know, the women's game, I think, did go away from the RPI now, and they are using the net. Um, but you're right. There's no, yeah, outside of uh, basketball, everybody still uses the RPI or something similar. I think hockey uses something a little bit different. But um so I do, you know, people, uh, you know, they kind of rag on the net sometimes and, and, you know, there could definitely be a better system to select postseason participants, but I do give the basketball side credit for, for finally moving away from the RPI. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, it was invented in 1981 and it was, it actually was really useful back then. You know, there wasn't a lot of computing power and things like that, but obviously society has advanced and uh, it was, it was time to move on to something more useful. You, you know, Ken, I, I'm curious, we're, and we're already seeing this now, even in the West Coast Conference, you know, some games have been postponed due to, to COVID issues. A lot of, of games in the Big 12 have been postponed, a couple more even this morning. I, I'm, I'm curious, how do things change for you in terms of the data and whatnot when you're, and obviously there's still plenty of time for all of this to catch up and maybe all the games do get played, but how, and how much does that change what you do and the data that is there uh, when you may have such a, such a difference between the number of games this team plays versus another and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not such a big deal in that respect. You know, uh, my system is just going to look at the games that were played and, and rate teams based off of that. So it's not super concerned about, uh, you know, double round robin conference standings or anything like that, you know, just say, Hey, who did you play and how good are those teams and how did you do where it really becomes a problem? And it's starting to become a problem is that, you know, the games that aren't canceled, uh, you know, players are out. Sometimes key players are out and just, it just seems like from game to game, you know, it's rare to find a game right now where both teams have a, a full complement of players playing. And um, my system is not sophisticated enough to say, okay, well, you know, the third best player for this team is out and the, second and fourth best players for this other team are out and let's, you know, make a new prediction based on that. Like it's just too hard to kind of, you know, aggregate all that information for 358 teams. So, so that's the area where it, it, 
you know, I think it, it impacts the system, makes it, you know, perhaps a, a little bit less accurate for some of these teams where we just, you know, we just don't know who played in which game and, and how that might have affected a, a team's performance. Ken, it's great to catch up with you. We hope to see you in the Marriott Center soon. I'm sure you'll make your way down for uh, some of these top-tier West Coast Conference games. We'll save you a seat, man. All right, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you guys. You got it. Ken Pomeroy, the college basketball stats guru with us on BYU Sports Nation. KenPom.com. We use it like every day. Seriously. Yes, no, it's it's a part of just about everything we do when it comes to talking about basketball. Look, and it's it's awesome to hear whether you're listening to watching Sports Center or listening to, you know, yeah. national radio, they'll reference Ken Palm all the time. He talked about a nice feather in his cap that, you know, some of his stuff is being utilized. Yeah, that's a real nice feather in your cap. <laughs> Take a bow, Ken yeah, Palm. He always downplays it. Basically, <laughs> he's really smart. Yeah. And uh, deserves the credit for it. And I'm glad that he brought up the point that uh, women's basketball is now using the net rankings. Jeff Judkins still calls it the RPI. It's not the RPI. It's now the net rankings as of this season, right? Yeah. And listen, the women, they're pacing for good things within the net rankings. There's no question about that. All right, coming up, Craig Cusick's big day in deep blue. And our top John Madden moments as we remember the legendary football coach and broadcaster. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. We count down the five best moments of 2021 in BYU sports on a New Year's Eve BYU Sports Nation special. Join us as we look back on the past year in BYU athletics at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. He is Jason. I am Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation to interact with the show and get fabulous content throughout the day. You can follow us on all of the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk. Your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Saw a lot of Zach Wilson jerseys, uh, new Zach Wilson jerseys over the last yeah. week. A lot of kids got uh, some Christmas presents mm-hmm. and had number two on the back. And uh, congratulations to him and the Jets. He delivered for getting a win. The day after Christmas. Yeah, a 52-yard TD run in the Jets win over the Jaguars. Is that the highlight thus far of the season for Zach? If that's not it, it's probably the rollout right early in the season, chuck a bomb to Corey Davis against the Titans. Right. When the Jets beat the Titans, Jason, the team that is, along with your Chiefs, pacing for the number one overall seed in the AFC playoffs. The Jets beat the Titans. So the fact that he did that and connected on that beautiful long bomb to Corey Davis against the Titans, that might be it for me. But if it's not, it's definitely the run. No, I, I think it is this one, and I believe it was the longest rushing touchdown by a quarterback since 2015. Longest in Jets history. Yeah, so, yeah, I think right now, look, the best highlight is his throw at Pro Day, okay? (laughs) Because that's solidified being the number two pick, okay? But in terms of during the season, yeah, I think this is it. That run, eat your heart out, Joe Namath. Fusini Traore had himself a Christmas week, named the Diamond Head Classic All-Tournament team, and named the WCC Player and Freshman of the Week. He's got to get some uh, shelves for his hardware, Jason. What is the ceiling for Fus this year? Mm. Look, I don't think it's crazy that he could flirt with the double-double. 
straight up every straight, game. Like I think I think that de- depending on how he's continued, like I don't know if, he, if he's going to continue to start. If they'll bring him off the bench, Coach Pope yesterday at the media, um, you know, wasn't willing to say that he he was going to be the starter moving forward. He says, you know, because it makes BYU smaller. But based off of what we've seen, I don't think it's crazy that he could flirt with a double-double this entire year. Sure. He will definitely be a member of the all-WCC freshman team. That is going to happen. He's only going to get better. As far as the ceiling goes, he's not quite an all-conference player at this point. A little bit too young for that, Jason. But he's going to be an honorable mention, and that's not a bad ceiling. No, in terms not of, at all. In terms of numbers, yeah, I mean, he, he could easily be – a 12 points, eight rebounds guy yep. for BYU. All right. That's not crazy. No. All right, five bowl games and multiple college hoops games, which, by the way, includes Gonzaga versus San Diego. And then, obviously, we mentioned earlier in the show, BYU women's basketball versus San Diego. They have all been canceled or postponed due to COVID. How concerned are you about the upcoming West Coast Conference hoop season? I'm concerned, Jason, because there are a lot of teams that BYU plays against on the West Coast, specifically yeah. in California. And this is where that majority of these situations seem to be happening, at least at the collegiate level, is in California. And so I'm concerned, Jason. Yeah. Los Angeles with Loyola Marymount, not far away, uh, Malibu and Pepperdine, St. Mary's, San Francisco, Santa Clara. Like, this is this is concerning. I just hope BYU doesn't lose a Tier A or Tier B game right. because of COVID. Yeah, it's it's certainly concerning. And we saw this last year, the, the, the issues that it caused. And so this year, the fact that we're starting week one with several postponements, yeah, it's concerning. All right, uh, let's not leave this out. What's your favorite John Madden moment as we remember the great coach and broadcaster? Today? You know, you know I, don't really spe- I don't specifically remember a moment, but what I always loved was his use of the Telestrator for just weird stuff. Like, it had nothing to do with football plays, or he'd put, like, a smiley face on it. Just his playfulness with that. You knew he had the knowledge, but yes. his ability to just relax and be a normal guy and have fun with the game, that's what I remember. Yeah, I love him and his voice on all the video games that I played as a kid. Loved hearing him on Thanksgiving Day. That's probably the thing I remember most about it, is just his Thanksgiving appearance. Like, always with the turkey leg doing the interview with Barry <laughs> Sanders or whatever Detroit Lions oh, yeah. player was awesome when the Lions were good once upon a time. I remember that. And then the water cooler situation where the, mo- the mother water cooler oh, yeah. and the father water cooler had a baby, baby. water yeah. cooler like yeah. that. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about with the telestrator. He like telestrated that. And then they brought up like a card, a, like a graphic for the water cooler. Oh, yeah. Like they gave it a height and a size. Oh, so fun. Yeah. All right, coming up, Zach Wilson making Christmas for a family. Love to see that. Plus, Deep Blue with former BYU basketball player Craig Cusick. An emotional look back at that heroic shot in 2013. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen, tonight's BYU Hoops matchup as the Cougars host Westminster on BYU Radio. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern with myself and Mark Duran on Cougar Pregame Live. Greg Rubel and Mark will have the call of the game at 9 Eastern. You can listen live on BYU Radio and the app. In 2013, former BYU men's basketball player Craig Cusick, a reserve guard, you know the game we're thinking about, right? Because you all witnessed it. He had a day he'll never forget. This is the story behind the story that led up to that shot. Deep Blue featuring Craig Cusick, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. He, from the time he could walk, 
He was his father's shadow, and his dad loved having him by his side. They were best friends. Some of the clearest memories I have with my dad are either in the basketball court at the farm or the nearby garden where we had horses, right, and we had a large garden as well. He needed wide open spaces and his horses. The handful of people that meant the most to him, he didn't need like much else. My parents found a way to always make sure and provide, and I look back on that and have obviously a lot of learnings that I try to now instill in my kids, right? So wonderful childhood, had all the opportunities in the world. I couldn't be more grateful for all of them. Out of high school, he was he was really good, and he, he had a, a few different places that he, he could have gone, but he ended up going to the U of U. Decided to go there as a walk-on, had a great experience, great relationships there. He went on his mission with the assumption that when he came home, there would be a spot for him, but there was new coaching staff there, and so he took the path of slick, and with, I think it was only like on this second or third or fourth game, he was hurt. It's hard when you take a break like that and then get back to a sport and just hit the ground running. So come the end of that season, had a hard decision to make, right? Do I stay and do I continue to try to, you know, play one more year or do I move on? Do I go to BYU where I wanted to go to school anyway, right, where my dream was? He was told that he would never play Division One, and you don't tell Craig he will never do something because that lights a fire underneath him and he'll prove you wrong. He's the most determined soul. And at that point, I made a decision that I was gonna go all in and, and go the unconventional path. And that next fall, my ankle had, you know, probably six to nine months to heal. Even though it's, it's never been the same, you know, I went to walk on tryouts and made the team. He had reached a goal, I mean, that he had dreamed about. And there was only one point when I think he might have gotten a little down, discouraged that he wasn't getting a scholarship when he saw everyone else coming on, getting scholarships, and yet he was starting on some games. And he came to us, never complained, but at one point he said, I'm, I'm thinking I might throw in the towel. And his father and I just said to him, don't ever allow money to dictate your dreams, sweetheart. We will find a way. And we did. And I really think being a walk-on has been the greatest blessing because it's taught him so many lessons that he can teach his children. <laughs> that when you want something bad enough, it's, it's worth whatever you have to do to fulfill a dream. Going into my senior year, I, I had obviously personally and as a team, right, and as a group, we had a lot of optimism around what we could do and what we could accomplish. And, you know, that time, right, my dad's health was very good, right? So. We had a great season. I, I individually was having a pretty good season and I, I, I felt like I was contributing the way that I was supposed to, but we got to about the midpoint of the season. I remember it was in February. I had a game to play Utah State, right? And it was, it was the night of, of the Utah State game when you know, my dad collapsed the night before the game. He had got up and I heard him down in the kitchen and then I heard a thud. It's right there. And I ran down and called 911. And they came, and they didn't seem to be really concerned. They said, take your time. But when I got to the emergency room, they said, just to be certain, we're going to take him up for some x-rays. 
made multiple trips back to the hospital right down the road to see my dad as we were trying to figure out what had happened. And, you know, long story short, they found a cancerous tumor right in my dad. And it was about an hour before the game that evening versus Utah State here at home when I found out that he had cancer. And it was pretty clear it was a serious form of pancreatic cancer. That was obviously a incredibly life-changing moment, not just for him, but for my whole family. Coach Rose was wonderful. He had told Craig he didn't need to suit up. And he said, that's the last thing my dad would let me do. And he talked to Craig a minute before he left for the game and just said, son, it's going to be a good night. On game day, everything's lockstep. It's code red. From the moment you wake up, everything is patterned, so it's exactly the same. It's reproducible every single game so that you can have a chance to perform at your highest level. And on this day, nothing felt right. All of our minds were somewhere else, grappling with this news, trying to feel for Craig. And then we got into this game, and through this whole game, it was just frustration the entire game. Here's Cusick for three. That's too strong. Everything was different. I was in a funk, which is astonishing to me that Coach Rose kept me in the game at the end of the game. Just things didn't fit right until the very last second. Carlino for three off the front end, followed by Cusick. It's over. In one second, it is the buzzer sounds, and Craig Cusick hits that putback. It was just like the magic of sports, because sometimes sports take something that can never be made right, and just for a second, it makes it right for everybody. Like, life had just thrown our family, like, and my dad, it's biggest punch. And that was Craig's response. And what that did for me through that process, it set the tone for the whole thing. Not how many people could have done that? I would have missed. I guarantee it. <laughs> and it didn't fix, it didn't fix anything, but it gave us all a moment that was extraordinary. Craig gave us that because of the toughness that he has inside of him that 100% he would tell you every bit of that toughness came from his dad, who was his coach and his father and his best friend and his mentor. And it's, it's, it's one of the great moments in, in BYU basketball history. Deep Blue with Craig Cusick, an emotional story, a fantastic one, so well told by Craig, his family, and Mark Pope. Yeah, remarkable. I, I, will, I will remember that shot. Uh, as long as I live. That's one that's it's imprinted right here. No question about it. All right, coming up, our double-down picks for tonight's BYU basketball game as they host Westminster. And a rise and shout-out to Santa Zach. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America. 
the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Station, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. It is game night in Provo. That means it's time for our double down recap and predictions for tonight's game against Westminster. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. You know the drill. We give two predictions about the game. Each one we predict correctly is worth one point. If you get both correct, you get a bonus point for a total of three points. Okay, we do need to recap what happened against Vanderbilt a few days back, but this is our first live show since then. Uh, Leading into that, Jerem had a 23-12 lead. Uh, Jerem and I went one for two in that game. Dave McCann, he couldn't carry you, Jason. So 0 for two for the (laughs) guests, Dave and Jason. Yes, all right. Uh, So now for tonight's picks against Westminster. Uh, Here are Jerem's picks. Uh, Jerem says Spencer Johnson will make multiple threes. Okay. Uh, he's missed nine in a row, by the way. Ooh, aggressive. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Hunter Erickson, Trey Stewart, Nate Hansen, and Casey Brown will combine for six plus <laughs> points tonight. <laughs> Emptying the bench. Assuming a blowout and the bench gets emptied and everybody gets to play. I think BYU is going to score a lot of points. In fact, my first pick is BYU will score 100 or more for the first time this season, Jason. They're going to hit the century mark. Let's go. And BYU as a team will shoot better than 75% from the free throw line. You score 100, you got to make a lot of free throws. Okay, mine. Caleb Lona will make at least two threes in the game today. He's made two all season. Two all season. That's super. I aggressive. saw him in practice yesterday. He was draining him. I'm okay. feeling good about okay. this. Okay. All right. And then Seneca Knight will lead all bench scores. Ooh, Jason. Those are spicy, man. Let's do it. I kind of want you to get those right. Kind of. <laughs> Look, you're seven ahead of Dave and I, so it doesn't yeah. matter. We could get both and we're fine. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. What's the most impressive thing Tyler Algier accomplished at BYU at WD Heath 40 says becoming a legend. It's not easy to do for anyone, much less a walk-on hashtag BYUSN. I mean, he's right up there with Dennis Pitta as the great walk-ons in BYU football. Without history. question. Today's rise and shout outs presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU athletics. Jason, lead us off. Yeah. Zach Wilson making Christmas for a New Jersey waitress and her son. Zach was having dinner with his family, found out that the waitress's son is a Jets fan. And he said, I have two tickets for you. And the video is priceless. I have a, oh. you, you got to go check out the video. It's if you haven't seen it, Please see it. It's great. Heartwarming stuff. Called her son. FaceTimed him in the moment. And a rise and shout out. Huge welcome to the newest member of the BYU TV family. Edda Hialoofa Hemuli. Born this morning, 7, 10 a.m., 8 pounds, 3 ounces to our producer, Hema, and his wife, Norma. Congratulations. Both mom and baby are doing well. Someone might want to check on Hema, though, right? <laughs> our thanks to today's guest, Ken Pomeroy. Conversation continues 24-7. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to all y'all. See you tonight for Hoops 9 Eastern. Go Cougs.